0: People of the world, it's the Brothers Talk family with your hosts, Rod, Scott, and Norm. Join us each Friday wherever you listen to your favorite podcast or on our website to hear us three black, unfiltered African-American men with no strings attached, giving voice to the most feared, most misunderstood, and most rarely heard from segment of the population on topics of interest to us for education, enlightenment, and entertainment. You can reach us with your comments, questions, and suggestions at The Brother's Talk on Twitter, The Brother's Talk on Instagram, and the Facebook group of the same name. And also follow us on Facebook. And if you want to share in more detail, hit us up at the email address, thebrotherstalk at gmail.com. Stay tuned for our soon-to-launch YouTube channel, and now on with this week's show. It's great to be back with you again in the Brother's Talk family den, kitchen, barbershop, backyard corner, or wherever you hold your relevant conversations to spur critical thinking and activism around support for the Black community. And we welcome our first-time listeners. Glad you joined us. We look forward to you becoming a part of our worldwide family, spreading the word about this podcast, and that we are promoting critical thought, enlightened conversations, new business opportunities to empower and enrich our community. With so much going on in the world today, it's almost impossible to conceive of anyone refusing to do their part in forming their own opinions based on the facts, which is the essence of critical thinking. Particularly for us as the Black community, this has to be our most urgent need because there are so many relevant and necessary issues that we, the primary group that's thought of as people with color, are facing. We're losing more ground every day that we fail to critically engage our brains while other ethnic groups continue to get ahead and, more specifically, ahead of us. We must not be fooled by the smoke and mirrors of those who would hoodwink us with first. Have you thought about how insulting it really is to still be hearing about us being the first anything after we've been on this continent in this country for over 400 years, and yet they can still divert our attention, as Scott likes to say, with the latest shiny object. We should be holding these examples up as shameful and demanding that they do much more to accelerate the catch-up that needs to be addressed because we're usually talking about a single person ascending to the top. Then look down the line and see how many others have been passed over in other areas that need to be addressed while you're celebrating that one at the top. And they use the same flawed logic across society to distract us from the really important gains that we need to make by showing us the one or two exceptions to that blatant disparity that 403 years of racism have produced. We need increased and better participation in all the areas that impact our lives from the political and financial arenas to criminal justice and healthcare to education and environment. When systems are in word designed without our input or participation, then those systems will inherently overlook and discriminate against us. We have both the intellectual capital and the ingenuity based on our two sets of history. That which was before we were brought to these shores where we were leading the world in the creation of everything from the sciences to the arts. And that which once we were here made us determined to survive, persevere, and even somewhat thrive despite the odds being thoroughly stacked against us. If we only start to use our minds critically and constructively, implementing our gifts, talents, and abilities to start businesses, wheel power politically, and demand that this nation repay us for what we are owed for that 244 years of forced free labor and the next 159 years of state-sponsored discrimination. Finally, once again, COVID is back headlining the news with a new variant that may be even more deadly and infectious than the Omicron that has experts fearing another significant surge coming on the tail end of the current one, resulting from too many people pretending that the pandemic is over and resuming their unsafe habits. The Biden administration says that there could be as many as 100 million new infections this fall and winter, and the rate of new infections has doubled since March. More than 997,000 people have died from coronavirus in this country. That's less than 3,000 away from 1 million people who will have died from COVID-19 with more than 81,837,000 cases that have been reported. Can't say it any other way. Please don't be stupid. Get vaccinated with your boosters, wear your mask, limit your travel, and avoid crowds that don't practice safety. And now to my brothers in the struggle for critical thinking, Scott and Norm.
1: Thanks, Rod. I do want to emphasize that the new reporting on the uh, coronavirus is, is not good uh it, it was disappointing over the weekend for me to see so many people out without masks in large groups uh everywhere you went there was there were there were crowds all over the place and i, I think it's dangerous i think that uh i saw that same report that rod talked mentioned this fall there's going to be a 100 million plus uh new infections so hey people go out there be safe be smart uh take care of one another no thanks god
2: and i just wanted to take a minute to remember kevin samuels he passed this week and for those who don't know who he was he was a voice in the man sphere in this country who basically was about family and building black families and black communities and relationships and he happened to pass the other day and he will be missed by many and he was just a brother who tried to do his best for black people thank you
0: well, that's norm side of it. Cause like i certainly was no friend of Kevin Samuel. So we'll just leave it at that. What we're going to go to though, is our, one of our co-favorite whipping posts, which is the democratic party. And we have to just basically pile on because it is just pathetic. What we have seen from Biden Democrats now we're in year two And we're seeing them fail to deliver on promise after promise while, as we said in a couple of episodes ago, while instead of having our backs as the black community, what did he really do? He turned around and tried to give us a shiny object in Kadanji Brown Jackson. So we are just basically outdone at the thought of what everybody else is saying is what indeed are the Democrats good for? Because none of what they have talked about has really come about. They got that one bill for the infrastructure and for uh, helping the economy. But even that, in terms of what was originally asked for and what they got, was a basic failure. So what exactly are the Democrats good for?
1: It's, it's really disappointing, uh... With miscommunication, the lack of communication, not having the same message when it comes to wearing masks and not wearing masks and the whole, just the information chain, there's something, there's no coherent message coming from everybody. And we don't know what they're doing. You know, they talk about, hey, we're doing all these great things, but tell people what we're doing, what they're doing. We don't see any fight. And I think that's what's why people are so disappointed is like the uh, Republicans, their opponent, their opponents are out here just, I mean, ripping holes in them daily, and they just standing there taking punches. You know, I guess they're they playing rope a dope or whatever. But there's just a, a void to me when in terms of leadership and and, 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 and inspiring confidence that these people can't lead the country.
2: I think it goes well beyond leadership. Um, They basically are living and have lived on the we're not the Republicans mantra for forever. And they've gotten away with that so long that they haven't had to produce anything. And literally they know that, as Rod mentioned many times, that there's really no other show in town. And what we have to do as an electorate to let, let them know is that there may not be another show but we don't have to come out to see their show. And we have to make that plain and clear that if they're not going to represent us, then there's no reason for us to get out and vote. There has to be a price to pay for their inept incompetence.
0: So when we just look at the lack of any action, you know, Scott, you said the Roper Dope, but one of the things that was kind of evident when Ali invented the Roper Dope was that if you watch the fight, you saw where he was at least peppering George Foreman's head while he was standing up against the ropes. As you said, there's no fight in these guys. They are just absorbing punch after punch. And the worst part about it is everybody is concentrating on how ineffective they are and not acknowledging the fact that it's the Republicans who are actually standing in the way of anything they could get done. They don't even try to defend themselves that way. So It's just mind boggling that there isn't not a single ounce of real pushback from the White House on down. You know, I watched the White House correspondent's dinner and here was Biden with opportunity in front of all of the nation's uh, press where he could have really taken some good swipes. And once again, he basically stood there making fun of himself as much as anything that was being said about him. And I just found that as well, just so disappointing.
1: It's disappointing too, because it just seems to me that they're just not uh, moving with the times. Uh, It seems like they're using the same old playbook where they're letting polls dictate the decisions that they make, that they make instead of just doing the right things. Instead of just trying to uh, honor the promises that he made during the election, they're trying to follow the polls. And and to me, every time you follow the polls, you get in trouble. Uh, what I keep hearing today, what I kept hearing today was uh, how, you know, Trump kept his promises. He made promises that that he was going to strike the courts if he got a chance. And that's what so they can overturn Roe v. Wade. And that's what he did. Uh, so this whole thing about keeping your promises uh, seems like to me Biden is just still blowing smoke up the butts of black people. You know, like, hey, hey, I see y'all over there. I got you. I'm coming. I'm going to take care of you. But but in reality, nothing is really happening and going to happen.
2: Rod, you said something many, many times before. We need a retirement age in Congress. We have to get the bloodsuckers out of there who are basically there to fill their pockets and basically make sure that corporate America will support them and their funds to run for re-election over representing the people. We need to get young people in there, young blood, young energy, young thoughts, and we need to move forward as a country. And we cannot move forward when we have people like this representing us. We cannot.
0: Hey, thanks for acknowledging that, Norm, because we're seeing the evidence of it. We recognize that in any other profession, I don't care whether it's ministry or dog catcher, that people acknowledge at a certain point that they are not as sharp, that they are not as crisp, and yet government is the only place where we can find people well into their 80s still attempting to hold on to power and the real problem with that besides them not having full of control of their faculties anymore is that at a certain point they become professional politicians which like you said norm it's all about them getting re-elected and collecting the next check more so than it is about them representing the will of the people and something it has to be done something has to uh, be put into the constitution if you can have a a limit on the retirement age across corporate america then it certainly makes sense that there ought to be some type of limit on how old you can be and still
1: be in government uh, you're, you're exactly right rod and 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 not only that there there are some 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 issues here to me that that uh, Congress, Democrats, even even the media, are not picking up in terms of this Roe v. Wade situation. So you you got all this reporting there, all this reporting where Clance Thomas' wife was involved with the, the Oak Keepers and some other groups that are uh, right wing groups that were trying to overthrow the government, were well, trying to prevent from um, certifying the election and. Clarence Thomas is the only judge who didn't recruit herself from that. Uh, but they're not talking about the fact that Clarence Thomas' uh, wife is involved with, you know, trying to overthrow the government, but they, they're putting all this focus on um, who leaked the memo. And the Democrats aren't even pointing out the fact that there have been a there's been a lot of opportunities where Clarence Thomas could have recused himself, and he hadn't. There's a big conflict of interest, you know. The, the, the uh, Supreme Court has been political politicized, and they don't say nothing. They're not saying anything about it. And I have a question for both of you, gentlemen. Why
2: is it Margie Green, what have you? Why is it her court case was brought by the constituents in her district, and not the federal government?
0: Well, you know how I feel about Merrick Garland and I just go back to thinking that that's who Obama was trying to put onto the Supreme court. And we started talking about how look at the Supreme court from a number of angles. Scott, you just mentioned Clarence Thomas. Well, remember his wife was on the Bush transition team when the Supreme court decided the the election in 2000 that put w bush w shrub bush in the office and he didn't recuse himself then either so it's like there's a pattern of that but this justice system which has been promising for now going on two years to prosecute the january 6 i and nothing has happened on that stage either so other than, like I said, a few low-level folks that they've gone after, and even them, they've gotten pretty much slap on the wrist. So there's just nothing to put any confidence in what is supposed to be the most active and most vital part of the executive branch, which is the Department of Justice. So if you're asking me, Norm, I say that's the problem right there, is that you got Biden without much of a spine, and he picked a spineless guy as the attorney general.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, no question. Another interesting thing to me about what's happening and with the Supreme Court is um, I would just be curious to me as to what kind of jobs, what kind of position the spouses and the relatives of the Supreme Court justices, you know, what do they do? And how often do they actually recuse themselves from cases that involve, companies or organizations where uh where family members work. Uh I have never seen anything like that about. Uh, one time I did when uh Clarence Thomas son worked in um he worked in the Bush administration in with the FCC I think. He was like a deputy commissioner or something like that. But that, I'm just curious to know what that looks like and I and I'd be shocked if all of them were not sitting in real plum comfortable, high-paying jobs. Well, what are the people of this country going to do since we have no
2: actual representation on the federal level? You know, we're going to have to control everything locally and build up from there because uh, this is not going to end well. You know, just just my opinion.
0: And so there you have it, you know, Scott. I think one last point I'll just make is that it's not just the Supreme Court. There's a lot of conflict of interest in Congress. You got a lot of those folks who are sitting and voting on projects and bills that have to benefit their families, you know, just like we talked about with Joe Manchin and, you know, even Nancy Pelosi and those folks. So, you know, so it's just a corrupt system that needs to be overhauled. But I think what we're saying is at the end of the day, we got to take the bull by the horns and be such a force that we really need to do a Democratic Party takeover. You know, There's just not enough of us to do anything in the Republican side, nor should we even try to get over there. But we certainly have the numbers to steer the Democratic Party and make sure that they don't get away with the stuff they're doing now. So in our Black Business Spotlight of the Week in the month of May, we want to continue to encourage each and every one of you out there To not only go out, find, and patronize a black business, but to encourage everyone you know to do so as well. We're making May Booming Black Business Month, and let's see exactly how much of the $1.5 trillion we generate as consumers each year can stay in our community. We've got our relaunching Black Wall Street nationwide, one household at a time, that's in its second year. So let's put a laser focus on what happens when we put our minds to it in this, our 121st episode of the podcast. So that's a wrap for another program, and God willing, we'll keep our focus on the issues that impact our community on the path to a better future. Don't forget, you can follow and communicate with us, sending your comments, questions, and show ideas to The Brothers Talk on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or email us, thebrotherstalk at gmail.com. Until the next time, as always, we sincerely appreciate your time and interest, and that we'll never take it or you for granted. And remember. Let's do better today because that's all we really have.